You're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 11 of the Manufacturing Ignition podcast hosted by and my co-host Scott Buchanan. Morning Terry, how you doing? I'm doing well Scott, I'm doing well. I'm literally looking out the window at the moment and there's a there's a snowstorm that's happening uh, out the back of the office. Oh, and Are you not using that good shampoo of yours again no? <laughs> yeah, either that or it could be the ash cloud of Vesuvius Drive. <laughs> you need to see that dog of yours, you need to give him a good wash sometimes, mate, because, you know, when all that dandruff comes out, you need to be careful. But um, aye, the weather's uh, yeah. it's pretty, uh, it's full on today. Were you, were you ready for it? Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. And, and luckily, luckily, obviously, I'm in the office this week, because as you know, last week I was all over the UK and visiting uh, potential new customers and existing customers that we work with. And I'm glad that the snows came today rather than last week. Aye, well, the, 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 your eyesight's never the best, is it, Terry? So uh, i wondering how you'd be in the roads. But um, no, yeah, the, the, the interesting thing is I, I was, um, I wonder how the roads, I mean, I wasn't expecting so much snow. I mean, we've maybe got a couple of inches here. Um, but I wonder how it is in terms of the, the roads out there. And, and actually, I, I remember one year whereby I booked one of those uh, cheap flights over to... I wanted to go away to a cold place for my holidays, just for a long weekend in the middle of December before the, the switch-off period. Yeah. And then we, the, the, it was a year of the big freeze. And I do remember okay. trying to get from Glasgow to Edinburgh... Um, along the MA, and the MA literally was the ice rink full of, of potholes of ice. It was actually colder in Scotland than it was in Lithuania that year in the middle of December. Um, And the point there was when we got to Lithuania, you could drive around the roads, no bother at all. It was all safe. It was all no problems at all. And yet Scotland was just absolutely dangerous, um, just the way things were. So it's it's all about planning, isn't it? And having the right tools and having the right um, people doing the right things. And yeah, interesting time. So it'll be interesting to see for our meeting later whether... Whether you can get out your, your driveway. <laughs> I know, I know, we'll soon find out. Um, guys, so for those tuning in for the first time, both Scott and myself have been working within the manufacturing recruitment sector for over 15 years combined, and that's all within management and technical recruitment. And over the past few years, we've been building and growing our own business, which is Bonfire Recruitment, to be a leader in recruiting within the manufacturing sector across the UK. This week, Scott, will be covering, obviously, the latest news, week commencing the 15th of January a specific hot topic on what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing. And uh, Recruitment Minute this week on the back of Blue Monday, which is a, which is a load of garbage anyway, looking for a new job, how to maximise your social media presence. Oh. What, what's Blue Monday, Terry? That's a new one for me. Uh, do you want to know what? Uh, you, as I mentioned before, I've got no interest in... New Year's resolutions because 99% of them are now burst, which is ridiculous. The gyms have, you know, 10 times their gym membership, but literally now nobody's going, which is hilarious. And then now, when I looked at the news yesterday, Blue Monday. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, Blue Monday, Black Friday. I mean, really, Blue Monday is meant to be the most depressing day of the year, Scott. That absolutely... Everyone wants to change jobs. Everybody wants to be, ah, you know. Okay, right, I mean, it's it's a load of garbage. But at the end of the day, today, what we will go through, we are looking for a new job in the Black and Blue Monday, uh, whether this is Red Tuesday or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we will take you through maximising your social media presence. Okay, so you can hammer in, right? Got you. No, I've heard of that before. I didn't know it was yesterday. Do you know, I was actually in a good mood yesterday. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's... Uh, how does that work? So people, so I, I guess is that just a media thing or is that based on stats? You know, like my stats, is that... 
based on job sites yeah. saying, do you know what, there's you know an extra fifty percent of you know employees looking for for work that day. I don't know, or is it sickies? Is it maybe pulling people pulling time off work? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I think it's a mixture of everything, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really want to think about it too much. It's a lot of rubbish anyway. Yeah, I just feel a, <laughs> I, I feel a sore head coming on. I think it's maybe Pink Tuesday. I'm thinking whether <laughs> I don't know whether I can continue. Yeah. <laughs> Pink's your favourite colour, Scott. Well. <laughs> Anyway, let's, let's catch on. Yes. Let's go. Okay, so this week's manufacturing ignition latest news commencing the 15th of January. Scott, what's the latest news out there this week? Well, continuing on the, the serious note that we've been focusing on this morning so far, there was a, a serious incident with a lorry blaze that left 17 tonnes of gammon spread across the road. Um, and... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. A blaze set seven, so leaves seventeen tons of gammon spread across a road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the lorry's hold on. The lorry's on fire, so the gammon's actually cooking. It, <laughs> well, it, it looks as though someone. I don't know whether by chance it was it was an articulated lorry, and I wonder if there was a, a, a by chance a fruit lorry next to it, where they could have got maybe some pineapple to go with it. I don't know, or maybe some eggs. Um, no, the the fire involved an articulated trailer with a fridge unit contained approximately seventeen tons of packaged meat. Um, about fifty percent of the trailer and the contents were severely damaged, so burnt, burnt to a crisp, um, slightly overdone. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well done, well done, Gammon. Uh, Excellent. Uh, do you know what's got that's on the back of? I, I remember seeing a couple of weird things last year actually that made me laugh on a on a on a, on a random blue Monday morning, no doubt. Where, where in August, I remember in August that there was a, a lorry collision on the M5, right? Um, and the lorry collided with a caravan and it left 24 tonnes of flower strewn oh, man. across the motorway. What? I know. So, so we, we're worried about the, the snow that's happening around. That was literally probably people thought snow was happening in the middle of August. Well, that that is right. <laughs> well, that one there, it was down in, um, I think it was down Devonway on the A30 um, near Oak, Oak Hampton. But um, here, Terry, do you remember one of the earlier podcasts we did where we were talking about the automotive automation piece whereby it was almost like the lorry trains. I forget the, the actual buzz buzzwords for it, but um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I wonder, you know, these types of accidents, I wonder whether they would actually happen going forward if it was a computer driving the, the truck. Do you know that way? That was uh, that was podcast one, Scott. That was the automated vehicle one, yeah, I remember. I can't remember what it was called again, the Basically, yeah, do you remember? Yeah, where you've got almost like a train of lorries, self, you know, self-controlled, I guess, um, driving pretty close together. And um, aye, I wonder if those types of things would, would happen. But um, yeah, um, suffice to say, um, yeah, if you wanted a gammon steak, um, that was probably a good place to be on the A30 um, <laughs> back, in, back at the turn of the year. There we go. Moving on. Um, um, yep. Sorry. The humanoid collaborative robot joins Okado workforce. Did you see this one? I, 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 I read that this morning because I find that really interesting. And, you know, obviously Okado is an online grocery firm, but a lot of their, um, they've got warehouses that are automated. Yeah. Um, and from reading about this, what they've, what they've um, invested in is a prototype robot called Armour 6. <laughs> And, and and what it's actually designed to do is to help maintain the systems within their automated warehouses. Right. Um, and 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 honestly, Scott, have you seen this news? I'm, lo- I'm looking picture? at it. I'm looking at it just now. It looks a bit like you on a blue Monday, to be fair. Is <laughs> <laughs> it? Uh, obviously, if, if you get a chance, guys, uh, have a wee search. Just put in humanoid or cattle into Google, and this this thing is unbelievable. It's got the it's, it's you, Terry. It's got the wee lanky lanky legs and lanky arms, and the, the you know the eyes and beaky nose and blah blah. I get it. I get it. Right. Okay. But it's uh, do you know what? Actually, I, I was I was hoping and I was expecting it to be. Uh, remember in Robocop. It used to have the big robot, no, no actual Robocop itself, but there was a big massive like, robot in one of the films. Right. I can't remember what film it was or whatever. I just pictured it to be a massive big unit okay. like a Transformer. Yeah. That was <laughs> about this automated warehouse in Arcado. 
But the reality was that it was a wee blue Monday. Guy, it's a wee blue Terry walking about, <laughs> strolling about. Aye, it looks good, though. It looks, it looks as though it's getting its eye on things, doesn't it? It looks as though it's going to be doing it. So what is the point of it? So what is that robot's job? What is um, Arnold's so, job? So from my understanding, it's going to be um, it's more a collaborative robot where it's going to be working closely with uh, technicians. And what it what it actually what it's actually going to do is learn as it goes. So it's more so the robot will learn through observation, and okay. that'll be obviously watching and working with the sort of technicians in there. So you know any task that requires sort of high level of precision, or any physical strength that's not able to be done by a human worker, this is when it would be armor. Sort of, big armor steps in. Big big armor takes over. That's well. That's step aside. And then that, that ties in. I remember um, one of the first times I really saw a warehouse, an automated warehouse, was a, 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 I'll, I'll keep the name of the company out, but it was it was a, an, a brand new facility about 10 years ago in Cumbernauld area. Um, and it had a massive warehouse for a lot of, um, of, of drinks cans. And um, yeah. at that point, you couldn't see the top of where, you know, of where the, you know, the, the pallet or wherever um, it was going. And the gent I was with um, basically said, what, what do you fancy? And he literally typed it into the computer and off went the robot to go and, you know, to go and find it. So it's amazing what, what can happen um, out of that. And I guess having one of these robots um, to keep, I guess, the others in check is probably a good idea. A big robot supervisor. That's what we need. That's what we need. We should that's, be- that's, that's the guy at a Robocop. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, but I literally, Scott, as we've been jibbering on, and you know, over the past weeks and weeks about robotics and automation and embracing, you know, this is just going to get more and more. And the companies that are going to embrace this sooner are going to benefit. You know, they're going to be learning quicker. Developing their processes and their systems quicker to adapt. I, so yeah, yeah. I think I think the opportunity the opportunity for companies is I think there was a perception before whereby you 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 were buying something that you didn't know the output of. So it was almost like a prototype scenario whereby you know it's a sci-fi scenario where look it, it might work rather than it does work. Yeah. Do you know that way? And I think yeah. now there's so many examples that we've certainly seen and, um, you know, that the, the world, it's probably plenty that we haven't seen that actually embracing this technology and making it work for you. So, yes, it's probably there's a scalable investment there, but actually it's the, you know, the output of that whereby, it will, you know, help help your business and, and I guess help the upskilling of, of employees within your business and make them enjoying their work more as well. Yep, yep, exactly. And uh, moving on to point three, um, point 3D. three. <laughs> yeah, point point news point three. So 3D video phone calls are possible through existing wireless networks, apparently. So what does that mean? Well, right now we FaceTime and it's a 2D picture. But a group of um researchers in California have uh, developed some do like a 3D video call. Pretty awesome when you think about it, Scott. Because imagine, you know, if you have a virtual team, or you, you know, or you know, you have sales people who work from who are home based. You know, we are we are recruiting for a packaging company at the minute that's looking for a national sales manager that can be based anywhere. Then literally, this person could actually go into a board meeting and be a part of a three D call. Yeah. And indeed, and, and that's the way. Well, this again, we touched on this before. Whereby a lot of sales, I'm aware of it in medical device manufacturing um, or companies rather, whereby their sales force now a lot of the fuel based stuff has been taken, or the pharmaceutical piece rather, um, has been taken away from as one would know it as the reps. Whereby instead now it's done via the computer and there's actually a central hub. Um, and I guess that again could be, you know, you become a, a pro at, at doing your kind of board meeting or your meeting with your client um, in 3D world, which is uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. Um, and I must say, yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think I was just, I was just going. Yeah, I think, I think then, sorry, Scott. No, I was just going to say uh, along the lines. You touched on FaceTime, and um, you know, FaceTime for me has always been the most reliable method of doing, you know, the, the video calling so far, and the others always seem to be. You know, the, the, I think the challenge of the 3D scenario is to make sure that the reliability, do you know that way? Because there's nothing worse than actually where the, you know, the connection dips or you, you lose someone's face or you lose someone's voice. 
um, so you can't actually conduct your meeting. So hopefully that they'll, they'll focus in on that. Yeah, exactly. No, you, 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 I, and I know obviously the you know, next step is 5G to replace our existing 4G network. And, and looking into that, that's going to allow obviously more data to be sent between devices faster and more accurately. So that's going to benefit the sort of reliability of that. As I say, you know, this isn't something that's, that's this is sort of early days research sort of level, but something that's interesting and it's, yeah. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It'll soon be, we'll be on 800Gs shortly. This time next year will be an 800G, no doubt, with uh, with Arma maybe leading the way on, on how to do a phone call. Who knows? So, uh, so, 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 so a little, a, a little like now sixty five, whatever it's on now, probably now one hundred and twenty now. Uh, it, remember, remember, remember the album you used to buy. Huh? Huh? Well, was now now eighty five and stuff. Like that's that, still going. It? That's still going. I know. It's, I know. I, I, I see that. I see that at Christmas, and I thought, who is still going into the shop and buying now? Um, ah, it's um, it's certainly something there now. Maybe somebody that's going through Blue Monday. Exactly. Maybe it's the Blue Monday folk. Now, if you, you get a wee bit of volume here, I'm just um, I've just found something, Terry. You'll never believe this. Do you remember the Pepsi Challenge? Do you remember that? Are you old enough? Are you young enough or old enough to remember the Pepsi mm-hmm. Challenge? Right. The Pepsi Challenge was whereby you had a can of Pepsi and a can of Coca Cola, and they covered them up. And they asked the, the public to, to, to guess what one was the, I guess it was a Pepsi, <laughs> rather than... That's not, even a, that, that, that's not even a challenge, that's like easy, like Coke's definitely different from Pepsi. Anyway, I'm digressing. Aye, well, but yeah, they've done the same with the new Iron Brew. <laughs> so they've actually gone out into the streets. Iron Brew, I've, uh, in case you haven't heard, um, they've changed, the, the well, they've had to change the, the recipe to reflect the, the sugar content in their in their mixture, and they went out in the streets to find you know what what, what the, the the public reaction would be, and it turns out on the initial survey that one of the newspapers did um, that it was like one in ten hit rate, so that, that, that it was one person out of ten could guess what the, the 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 new version was. They could taste the difference to the original. Which um, I guess from you know some of the work you you know you specifically do Terry actually from the technical piece and actually trying to get recipes and the innovative product development I guess for for food manufacturing companies I mean that is quite a no mean feat to be able to get that kind of level of start there. So have you have you have you tried the new have you tried the new stuff yet Terry? Have you, I don't know if it's officially out. I do know what I quite like the sugar free stuff. Um, I quite like the sugar free or Coke Zero or whatever it's called, and, I, and I've tried the the Iron Brew sugar free, and I do like it. I feel I feel these sort of sugar free products you feel less, I don't know, rubbish after drinking. <laughs> um, just to put it quite bluntly, yeah. I, I, I do feel that way. And, and and for those tuning in who don't know what Iron Brew is, it's a strange orange drink worshipped by Scottish folk. And it's proven in various medical chambers to cure hangovers. Um, so that, that, it's that the only kind of gets everyone. It, it used to be. I don't know if this is still the case. It used to be the only, with the exception of Coca Cola or Pepsi. It was. I think it was at Russia. Um, it's actually managed to else outsell a Pepsi Cola or a Coca Cola. Um, I believe because of that. Exactly what you're saying there. Um, because of the sugar content. Aye, aye. The Russians are pretty similar to the and, uh, and love a drink. Uh, do you know forty-two thousand people have signed an uh, an online petition opposing the move to cut the sugar content, which is is incredible. It's forty-two thousand people saying don't change, don't change Iron Brew. So there we go. So it looks as though that um, it's nothing. It, it, they've cut the sugar and it tastes the same. So hey, we'll, we'll, we'll time will tell. Eh? See how we get on. Exactly, and I think that wraps up obviously our latest news week commencing the fifteenth of January. So we'll move on to this week's Hot Topic. On this episode of the Manufacturing Ignition Hot Topic, we're going to discuss what is the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing? What do you think, Scott? Best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing. Now, this clearly on some of the other podcasts we've looked at, we've, we've reviewed some of the challenges facing. Was it the back end of last year, wasn't it? Sort of back from the October, November last year. We looked at actually probable challenges facing manufacturing in 2018 and beyond, and and one of the things that we identified there was actually the the skill sets and actually getting 
both young work or younger workers um, and the female workforce involved that you know is part of an integral part of manufacturing as well so I think it's certainly something it's a huge competition isn't it when you're that age you know it's it's actually trying to I mean I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was 30 odd <laughs> do you know that way so I was I was just saying Scott you took the words out of my mouth there do you know that what did you want to be when you were at school Let's put it out there. What did what did Scott Buchanan want to be when yeah, he was? Yeah, I, I used to be able to run, um, so I wanted to be you know the, the, a good runner. Which uh, <laughs> I'm not not quite as good as that. But do you know that way you weren't interested in. I was certainly never interested in thinking as far ahead to to having the you know the mortgage and actually wanting you know all the the, the nicer things that that we all strive for. Do you know that way? And and you you had quite a unique background, didn't you? You ended up what is it you did again? You went to the you were in the navy, were you not? What have I not done, Scott? I uh, so uh, so I, I, I what did I want to do? I was wanted to be a scientist when I was at school, which is quite funny actually. Um, <laughs> and then I went and worked in an office, and then I joined the navy. I was in the navy for five years, and then became a fishing guide, and then. Yeah, all well doing manufacturing recruitment. Yeah, it's uh, and this is a point, isn't it? It's about where you know one of the reasons I love my job um, and enjoying doing what I, I'm doing because you get exposed to so many different. I was speaking to a client yesterday, actually saying exactly the same thing around you know the the the, the beauty and the variety that we get exposed to on a daily basis. Do you know that way within manufacturing, the different skill sets, different challenges each organisation may be facing. And then working out solutions accordingly. Do you know that way? So I guess from an a, a attraction of employees to their business, you know, and actually uh, even from an industry perspective into manufacturing is, here we go again, the government, you know, doing enough to attract people over. I know certainly locally um, the universities, if I go back, it wasn't that long ago, maybe five years ago or so, there was no actual interaction between the university and, um, you know, a manufacturing organisation or very, very little. Do you know that way? So um, we were getting candidates coming through, you know, with a good degree, with a good, you know, exposure to engineering or manufacturing or, or, or management. And yet they didn't have any experience level to allow them to actually to step in to do that. You know, that way, and obviously from a, a recruiting perspective and from the company's point of view, the company's going, well, you know, we, we need the experience. So it's a, the vicious circle, isn't it, of of the experience of someone being able to walk in and do the job versus the training, the mentoring, the, the development. And then I guess identifying the right type of talent for that role at the younger age, do you see? And and these are all the, the, the things that are going on. And I guess if there was, you know, a bit more emphasis, and to be fair to a lot of the universities I'm aware of, um, they, they are now trying, certainly trying to working and encouraged to be working with manufacturing companies and engineering companies and, and, and the likes to, to make sure that that's happening. But... Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I think I think looking at it from... So, so with the question, what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing? You know, last year... Three quarters of manufacturing companies were concerned about the uh, an aging workforce, and that's uh, and also a different report showed that forty three percent of companies considered skill shortages a major challenge in the sector. Yeah, so putting two and two together, we need to encourage more, you know, more children and young adults, teenagers to have a, an interest in manufacturing. Now, Scott, when I was at school, manufacturing, and and this is at school and even up to university, right? If somebody says about manufacturing to me, automatically what I thought was somebody starting making a product, right? And that's what it was. Actually, the more the you know, once you step into manufacturing, you find out there's a massive opportunity in there with different roles, different opportunities, different career prospects, and it's a very, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very all-encompassing opportunity. Sector. Yeah, and and actually, Terry, we, we've got clients actually that that look at that. That actually look at our website and look at what we do, i.e., manufacturing and recruitment, and assume that all we would do is production management or similar. Do you know that way? Um, yeah, don't actually that appreciate way. that we actually cover all the technical disciplines, all the sales forces, yeah, directorship, exactly. senior management teams, and quality and so finance, HR, and you know, you name it. Manufacturing you know. is part of it, and uh, you know, it's it's exactly that. It's education. It's just it's an educational piece actually yeah, yeah. of association. And, and I think if we're, if we're wrapping up, you know, when, I, when, when I'm thinking about, and this is me personally, and I know this is probably a stereotypical thing, but it, 
you know, that stereotypical thing is the reason why most people don't want to get into manufacturing is they probably rate it as low pay. They think of maybe poor conditions within a factory environment. You, you automatically, as soon as you say the word factory, you automatically think of like steelworks or something like that. That's what no, I do. Anyway. Nothing wrong with the steelworks, Terry. Nothing wrong with the steelworks. Uh, no, def- definitely no. But but you think of that sort of you know hot flames, quite quite dirty type environment when you're actually thinking of like the sixties, seventies, or whatever, you know. And then actually, you know, you, you think of the work as being very monotonous as well. You know, that's automatically what 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 what, what most people think. So it's actually. You know, when you're putting that together, you know, low pay. So actually giving people an education and bench, benchmarking against other industries. I mean, finance, you know, law, IT, etc. Manufacturing is well there, you know, especially at a senior level. It's certainly there, you know. So I think it's more of an education into, uh, you know, the, the career opportunities in manufacturing. And that's, yeah, you're right. And it's about the opportunity that, that that's there. Do you know that way? It's about making sure... The, the opportunity allows things to happen, do you know, that way. And I think, it, how do you do that, though, Terry? How do we actually get, you know, people's awareness up around where, where we can go? Is it from the schools? Is it from the universities? Is it from the apprenticeship schemes? Is it from the brands and the association that actually to be, I don't know, the Coca-Cola rep or the, let's do steel mill, you know, say, a, you know, an aluminium factory whereby actually you could have, any, you know, the, the, the opportunities um, are there. And I, I know yeah. some of the financial work that we've done, whereby we'll, we'll, we've actually, we get, you know, business from, I guess, people wanting to leave the, you know, practice and go into industry. Do you know that way? Um, and that's where, you know, there's there's certainly talent there that, that, um, that, that you know, that, you know, I guess people have found that they actually get bored, even accountants getting bored within, you know, practice and actually oh, want to use the... <laughs> I think I think a lot of people watch programs like Suits, and then what they want to be is Harvey Specter at Suits, and and be the corporate lawyer who's dealing with all the big boys and getting involved with everything and just being a cool guy. Well, actually, you don't have that sort of uh, comparison within manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have a sort of cool. TV episode that goes through like manufacturing and actually the life of you know, somebody within manufacturing. So I think to go back to the question, what's the best way of recruiting young people into manufacturing? And so, firstly, what we need to do is actually reverse the negative perceptions, being you know that it's a low-paid industry, that there's poor conditions, and it's quite monotonous work. Um, so, if we're focusing on first, let, let's go through three stages, Scott. Let's go through how do we encourage more children to be interested. And possibly pursuing a career in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Teenagers, how do you encourage teenagers to, to tailor their education towards manufacturing? And then finally, the sort of millennials, which is people born within the 80s and 90s, which is. Uh... Scott, when were you born, actually? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a 70s kind of guy. Are you? <laughs> right, okay, so. Uh, I've, I've, got the, I've got the big uh, long collars going on. I couldn't even get that. Did um, you? you didn't actually understand what I was saying there because you're that nah, young. Nah. How old are you? Nah, right, well, I'm not really that young. I'm 31. You're just, ah, man. 19, but... 1986. So I am classed as a millennial. So <laughs> I will I will be in probably the best shape to discuss <laughs> how to attract me into manufacturing. Everyone's, so anyway. everyone's got visions of that R car ro- robot thinking of you. <laughs> Uh, it's right. So, 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 to, 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 so how, how do we encourage more children to be interested in manufacturing? And, and, and that's probably came into my head, Scott. You know, me and you've both been invited to a local school to discuss manufacturing next month, and it got me, it got me thinking. How do we, how do you spread the word in schools? And I think what, what it's requiring is actually more manufacturing professionals visiting schools and discussing the sector, um, and answering questions. You know, and you know, possibly inviting school trips into a factory in a safe environment, and that could be you know anything that's sort of groundbreaking, like you know making the aircraft carriers to you know food factories. You know, it's just as you know, children getting involved in that sort of stuff Terry, to see how yeah, how they're sweet. You're spot on. You're absolutely spot on, and and it's maybe a certain type of person like this, but I, I'll never forget. And one of the reasons I'm doing, and I've done this job for over eleven years now, is the day I was standing inside 
a drinks factory where I'm looking at a canning machine. At that point, it was only doing 75,000 can lids an hour. And the can lids were all over the ceiling. Do you know that way? And then that same afternoon, I'm standing in one of the uh, the, the naval bases, standing next to a... Uh, <laughs> Sounds like Kevin's going for a walk there, Terry, or have you fallen through the window yeah, again? No, it is Kevin. He's he's decided to wake up. So <laughs> we've got him to contend with for the next half. Oh, hour. it sounds good. But yeah, so that and then that afternoon I'm standing next to a nuclear submarine and and you know in a in a naval base, which is incredible. So you know, and and that's you know, if you if you were a if and that I think there's too many I don't know whether it's parenting or schooling whereby it's almost like beating someone over the back, you know, back of the head with a stick saying, you know, because you're a doctor or your dad's a doctor, you'll become a doctor. Do you know that way? You're a lawyer, whatever it happens to be. And don't get me wrong, there's a place for that, but actually being able to know what alternatives are open to you. Do you know that way? Um, is, is, is absolutely there. And, and, and one of the, the, the challenges we have from a CV perspective is actually, and we see it all the time, don't we? Whereby, you know, I, especially at the senior level, whereby someone has done the job for the, a, a decent length of time. And then they're saying, look, Scott or Terry, we, we want to do, I want to do something different. Do you know that way? I never actually really enjoyed myself. Do, I didn't want to be doing this role, but it's, I've kind of found myself in it. Do you know that way? So if we could actually have a workforce that was actually wanting to be in it for the right reasons, then there's a good chance that everyone will be actually doing a lot better. Exactly, and I know there's a lot of STEM programs that are happening as well. But even just introducing sort of fun educational games around manufacturing that might be even engineering based as well, it's actually planting some seeds. And I mean, the best if you look at the best marketing, the best business, and probably globally, and how they market their business, everybody remembers going to McDonald's for their birthday party when they were younger. That was a cool thing to do. Funny enough, the guy who is Ronald McDonald, what is he? He's a clown that's attractive to, you know, it's actually reaching out to the younger generation where what you build is brand association and what you build is an affiliation with McDonald's. And, you know, putting all that together, you grow up with that brand affiliation or that business sort of type of model. And then you actually go there, you know, and you actually remember, oh, you had parties when you were younger. You actually just grow up with that sort of thing. But, does that make sense, Scott? Because I'm kind of wrong. No, but, but I'm smiling here because although I was a 70s kid, I still I was a late 70s kid, but the you're right with the McDonald's. And actually, in my era, Terry, it was Wimpy. It was the... I don't, don't even know if you know of Wimpy. Which you, I do, I do. I remember, I remember it being garbage. So, <laughs> I, well, that's, that's my opinion. Anyway. But it was, yeah, and they had a big kind of... In fact, you're right. I can. I know that McDonald's is a clown... I think the wimpy was Mr. Wimpy, wasn't it? He was kind of a, a dressed up burger or, or similar. So, aye, association. But it is, but it is, it's association. And what it's doing, it's actually promoting a brand to, you know, to, to you know, because at the end of the day, it's fast food. Children don't have any money to buy food and whatever. You know, children to parents to take them there and whatever else. But I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off topic slightly, but I think it's, a valid point on the basis of actually if you have got manufacturing in front of young people and they can actually see that and be able to put you know put that into perspective with what manufacturing look like you're going to have a lot more buy into not a brand but know, actually buy into the sector do you know what it is as well terry a lot of the manufacturing that kids will have been seen will have been from footage taken of a different era all right. So the number of times that oh, yeah. do you know that way, and the association will have been, you know, factory equals your know, tens of thousands of workers, you know, grafting away to put a screw in a, a bit of metal or or whatever it happens to be on a, a you know a production line. You know, things have so dramatically changed from those days in most companies, not all companies, but most companies. Do you know that way? And and there's a bit of um, just making sure that the, that there's you know a bit more media on the modern stuff, um, you know, to get people people interested. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, similar for teenagers, Scott, I think it's more about an education on the career opportunities so that it can tailor the right subjects but, but, towards us. And that's on the basis, of course, Terry, that A, the, you know, the, 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 the teenagers are going to school um, and secondly are actually wanting to work. Because I know when I was that age, you know, whether, you know, you'd rather be having fun rather than thinking about what you're going to be doing when you're, you're, you're 31 or whatever age you are. <laughs> uh, 
because that's about that's maybe a bigger that's maybe something that even we can't um, fix. But um, well, aye, it's a challenge. I don't know. I don't know because I remember when I was at school and I was very motivated with regards to your know, exams and whatever else. And I I remember selecting so the sort of key subjects. You know, I think we got to select six subjects or something like that. And maths and English is always one, but actually. I picked graphical design and craft design. Mm-hmm. Now, graphical design is obviously, you know, like your draftsman, you know, um, drawing buildings and all that sort of stuff and whatever else and designing biz- buildings, which obviously now done on CAD and whatever else these days. But and then the, the second one was craft and design, which was actually building, you know, whatever, a metal, wood and all that sort of stuff in craft. So literally for my exam, I had to build a long ship and this thing was like maybe <laughs> six feet long, literally six feet long and about five feet high. That's a pretty when, when you put the sail on it. So it was amazing, right? And you were actually bending the wood round there. But do you want to know what? See if I reflect back on when I was at school and that how long ago was that? Fifteen years ago, right? Maybe a wee bit longer than six, sixteen years ago, whatever. Um when I was at school, it was all very good. I I wanted to do those subjects because they're an engineering context. But actually, when I reflect back on it, I had no idea what these subjects would benefit me in a, as a career. Mm-hmm. I, I would automatically find craft and design being joiner. And I would automatically find graphical graphics design being, obviously, a draftsman. But actually, putting that into perspective and how that adapts into a manufacturing environment, both these types of subjects where you're building, you're repairing, you're maintaining... You know, there just should be a lot more education and the actual career prospects with the actual subjects that you pick. And obviously, math's been a big one for engineering, etc. But actually, English is just as important. You know, you know when you're, you know, from a senior management level and moving into university and and studying for masters and degrees and all that sort of stuff, and the amount of degrees and opportunities that there is for manufacturing as well. You know, I, I think a lot. Maybe it's changed, Scott. Maybe we're just maybe a wee bit behind the times, but. I do feel a lot more could be done to highlight. I, I think there should be, we know there's bodies for representing the, well, actually maybe it is these bodies, you know, the EEF representing English manufacturing, similar for Scotland as well, whereby we should have a body, you know, encouraging, and maybe they are, maybe it's just, I guess we've not heard of it, you know, encouraging, you know. so Which, 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 which I know I think is a, we're quite close to the pulse of manufacturing. Yeah, well, if, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of any fairs or work fairs we've been at, and, and the big boys are there, you know, so your BAE Systems or your Jacobs or your, um, not Jacobs, uh, Doosan, you know, the big big companies are there. Green Corps. Yeah, so the big companies are there, but actually, who's representing, you know, the SMEs or the medium-sized businesses out of them? Do you know that way? That actually could could tempt them into manufacturing because it's it's a, a, you know I guess it's the greater good of the UK economy, but actually you know the the roles would be a lot different as well than some of the big boys. Do you know that way? There's a lot more of a there's a lot more autonomy, a lot, lot more variety um, in a smaller company than there can be in the, the bigger companies. So, aye, there's um, exactly. there's plenty to look at, isn't there? And I think I think just to wrap up, Scott. Obviously, the important ones, millennials, which is obviously people born in the eighties and nineties. Historically, obviously, what I've kind of seen is manufacturing companies have brought people in, put them into certain functions, and then you would stay there until you know you get fed up or you know you screamed out that you wanted out. You know that's the kind of stereotypical, and then you know it's generation after generation working within the same factory, uh, which is all good. But the reality is, obviously, in a skill shoot. In a skill shortage, um, that forty three percent of manufacturing you know, companies says uh, they find is a major challenge. How how are they going to attract the best people? And I'll tell you why, Scott. And I'll tell you why we're talking about millennials. Is that actually did you know that by the year twenty twenty five, which is seven years away, <laughs> right? My goodness, <laughs> millennials will make up seventy five percent of the entire workforce. Wow. Oh, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Does that mean I'll be retired then? That's, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bold statement, but, you know, see, at the end of the day, so I, I'm going to give you my view, Scott, if that's all right. I'm going to give you my view, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're late 80s, it doesn't matter, uh, late, late 70s. 79, but, 79. You know, yeah, so, God, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I think, so how, how, how would somebody attract me into their manufacturing company? 
And, uh, you know, so firstly, the first thing that I would do if I was going for an interview, if I, if I was looking at a company, the first thing I'd do is look at, I would look at their website. I would go into my mobile, I'd search their website. I would also go into the Glassdoor yeah. as well. And if anybody knows what, doesn't know what Glassdoor is, Glassdoor is, so it's glassdoor.com. You can search any company and it'll give you a, ex-workers and current workers review of the workplace. If you have not done it already, go in and search your company on there. It's quite interesting. But luckily, I've only got Scott, so if Scott put up a review, we'd kind of know who it is. So, yeah, I mean, it's important that you bring your website into 2018. It's no good just throwing something up there. It's actually having something that interacts. People want to see people that work within the factory. So, yeah. you know, get a testimonial, get a video of your ops manager or your MD and actually promoting the business. Yeah. You know, all these sort of stuff, that kind of strikes to me that it's, it's a forward-thinking, ambitious, dynamic type environment. What I don't want to see is somewhere that's actually been done on WordPress that looks as if it was built in the 1980s when I was born and you think, well, I don't know, we managed here. You know, is there really good career opportunities for me? Is there investment going on? Because if you can't invest in a website, what chance have you get investing in the top machinery yeah. and the top process? It's about um, virtual yeah. virtual perception, eh? Can you literally yeah, exactly. well, virtual, well, virtual or online perception, um, making sure that your brand yeah, is effective. Yeah. And exactly. And I think that does help with building up your brand image because everybody wants to work with your typical companies that they've grew up with, you know. So Coca-Cola, every Christmas you see it on adverts, you know. Kellogg's, you've always had Kellogg's as your cereal. These are brands that people have bought, been brought up with. You know, as a millennial, you know, you want to work with those type of companies because you see them as the forward thinking. The reality is, if you're a small, dynamic, nimble business, bringing out new products and putting a lot of investment, you've got far more that you can potentially offer someone from a career experience and development opportunity. Therefore, get that and shout it out, you know, get that brand out there, make it positive. And what you'll do is you'll attract the best people because people will see an opportunity to quickly develop their careers, gain new experience and, and work with a growing business, which would be far more attractive for me than what it would be than working with a big blue chip. That's not to say blue chips, you know, nothing against that sort of stuff. It's not that at all, but it's actually how does a smaller business attract the best talent out yeah. there because the blue chips are already doing it because they've already got the brand. And a structure and the, and the, the, the financial backing to allow them to do that because they know that by having a graduate scheme or having more apprentices coming through the ranks, then you know that the, they will, based on their attrition, it should be able to keep them and develop them throughout the ranks. Do you know that way? Yeah, and um, offering good training and support as well. You know, if you're taking on someone from university and they want to complete their masters or they want to do an MBA, and it's actually someone that could be a future leader within your business, yeah. make sure that that's made out pretty clear and you can protect yourself as a business by putting in a clause of if you leave within a certain period of time you'd have to pay back your training costs and that's fair fair enough you know that yeah you know there's there's protection there as well and what you do get is buy-in from that individual because you're investing in their future you're investing in their education which has clearly been important if they've you know went to university and did the xyz sorry this 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 is relevant but it's slightly it's, it's relevant from a reputational perspective. Just you talking about um, education there. We had an example this week whereby there was a gent that's um, he's studying at the moment. I mean, one of these exams, and he handed his notice in um, just before Christmas. And this this is with uh, you know, a recognised, respectable, and good company. And what what's actually happened is the company, because he's handed his notice in, is refusing to give him the time off for sitting his exam. <laughs> so actually when that aye, so when that chap you know leaves you know he's he's now leaving with whatever perception that is do you know that way so i think companies also need yeah. to remember that what, what people um people that are leaving their company for whatever reason do you know that way what perception are they leaving that organization with because when there's a skill shortage or when you can't actually you know when you, everyone's fighting for the same level of talent then you know what what what, what perception um, is is getting left out there, and, and that that chap there now was really grateful initially for being allowed to to do his studies whilst you know whilst working, and he worked his hours accordingly. But now he's leaving, feeling for crying out loud, he's he's, he's actually having to do a reset, and he's not even sat the first one. Do you know that way? So uh, so, but no, but it, is, it ties in with what you're saying in terms of reputation of you know, the company, um, you know, good or bad is actually totally relevant for, for, for what the, you know, what they're trying to attract. And it's about the development thereof, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's the key thing, just to kind of wrap that up, Scott, because we went for some good information there. We've rambled on a little bit. I think Aye. it's been very, very worthwhile. And it's uh, we've, we're, hopefully we've hit home a few points. It actually gave you a good a good uh, perspective from from ourselves and, uh, you know, how to attract people into manufacturing. Let's move on to the recruitment minute. Um, so going back on uh, what we were saying earlier, so on this episode of the Manufacturing and Mission Recruitment Advice, we're going to discuss on the day after Blue Monday, <laughs> looking for a new job, how do you maximise your social media presence online? Uh, on Pink Tuesday. <laughs> Pink Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, this is targeted towards an individual looking for a job. So if you're looking to find a new role, probably the first thing you you would probably do is you know, become more active on LinkedIn and job boards. Why Why does everybody use LinkedIn, Scott? The, the question you probably should be asking is why are more and more people using LinkedIn? Do you know that way? Because actually, and maybe this is the millennial thing again, Terry, which we were touched on just earlier in this podcast, um, whereby the, the millennials will naturally go to the internet and naturally go on to LinkedIn if they're looking for a job. Do you know that way? But actually, the more, um, you know, uh, the, the ageing population may not naturally go to LinkedIn because the number of searches I've looked for, and I know the pair, I know the people, and I'm trying to find them because I've, I've lost contact details or whatever, and trying to find them on LinkedIn, um, and they're not on it. <laughs> Do you know that way? So you're right, though. Um, LinkedIn now is, um, is the go-to place, isn't it, from a business networking perspective? Yeah. I've got I've got mixed thoughts. I don't know how how do you find LinkedIn? I find it I find it okay. I mean, it was bought by Microsoft last year, as you know. So um, I think it will only improve. I think it's a great tool on the basis that it's a professional network. What yeah. you know, people stereotype. You know, so you think think of Facebook. I I, I don't go on Facebook. That I'm probably more than nosy on Facebook, and that's for all the sort of car things that I follow. So I've got a Subaru, which there's um, a specific. Uh, groups on Facebook where you get really good information and you get a lot of parts that are rare and you can buy them quite cheap because people are breaking their own cars. So I kind of use it for a lot of personal side of yeah. things. I would never use it for work. Whilst LinkedIn, I look at it as more as a, as a work thing. I would use Twitter for mo- maybe more. I would never use it for work either, but I would use it for more latest news. Okay. So, uh, Keeping an eye on things. You know, yeah. Aye, so if something happened or something, like, you could quickly so say you know, Federer's playing in the Australian Open, you know, you can actually find out the draw, you can search in Federer and see what the score is, you know, you don't need to go online or whatever. I'm just using that as a stereotype mm-hmm. example, he's literally playing today. Uh, you know, so to come back to why LinkedIn, so I see it as more of a professional network, it allows you to network with, you know, existing colleagues or previous colleagues, yeah. it's a sort of, you know, and, and, and actually in the back of your mind, it's an actual window for recruiters to reach out to you, whether that be internal recruiters within an organisation or whether it be agency recruiters, it doesn't matter, but it's kind of putting yourself in the short window. And it, and let's be honest, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, it's always nice to get a wee headhunt message coming through, you know, because you, naturally you feel wanted, you feel, you know, and, and that's 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 how it works really, really well. You know, at the end of the day, I get, you know, Scott, I'm sure you get a lot of messages, you know, being that sort of top recruiter that you are. You know, and and, and the basis yeah, it is quite nice to get those messages. So I think LinkedIn has got its definite purpose within the professional environment. And, and yeah, it, it's allowing that access, isn't it? It's allowing, you know, people that may not well have been, unless you had the phone number, unless you had the, the email address or you, you stood outside the office knocking their door, you know, it allows an easier route in on the basis that you're part of the network to, to, to actually get access to, to that person, which yeah, is exactly. great, which is a good modern way exactly. of doing things. So so a couple of, so that's how I kind of went through that. And, and so to answer the question on how do you maximise your social media presence, presence, I think it's key to remember, you know, one main thing, as I says, I kind of touched on there, you are putting yourself in a, you know, in a shop window in front of thousands of people to view. Therefore, there's a couple of things that are very, very important. Content is very important. It's very important that you're putting the time and effort in there and putting, you know, detail, detail, detail. Scott, what's your thoughts on that? And, and you know, how much content is necessary? If you were looking for someone right now on LinkedIn for a particular role, 
kind of stands out to you the most compared to what probably would. Yeah, and I guess this is where we, well, you're you're similar as well for me, but I guess if we review what we where we come from and I guess where others would be coming from because of the variety of experience that we've been exposed to over the years. Do you know that way? We know roughly what a company will probably do and we know roughly how that person will probably fit into an organisation and what their skill set is and what they're probably doing. So, a set. So, so, firstly, so firstly, how do you know that? What does a person have to have in the profile to make that stand out? Okay, so in an ideal world, you know, if if I didn't have the experience level I've got, you'd be, you know, you would want to make sure I'd be looking for, yeah, names of companies, size of company, that the the job profile, in essence, what I'm doing specifically, you know, so if a if a recruiter is looking for someone with I don't know Primavera experience, I've got that on my profile. Do you know that way? Because unless the the the, the person that's trying to recruit for me knew that that company had Primavera, for example, then, you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily reach out to me. Do you know that way? So it's, it's I guess it's around the detail piece, isn't it? Making sure that you're actually, this is what I'm capable of, this is what I'm all about, and this is what my shop window looks like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's literally, think about it as if you, you know, just put everything down. Do you find it useful, Scott, for people to copy and paste their CV? into the sort of job, job job descriptions or the past descriptions of work where there are people actually copy and paste that in? See, that's that's a whole other kind of worms, Terry. You know I'm a bit old school that way. Um, one of the things of a CV, the, the type of person that probably do that is probably the same person that hasn't taken time to write their CV correctly, <laughs> which probably adds a whole other, um, you know, get, get, not get issues, but certainly, um, you know, because some people, what they do is they, they get a job profile, copy the job profile and put that down as what they're doing. Now, yes, that is in essence what they are doing. But actually, when you review what you do on a daily basis and what you're actually involved in, does that actually reflect the job profile? You see, so tying into what you're saying there about on the LinkedIn profile should so that your LinkedIn profile should be a fair reflection of what you are doing although I guess it's reflective of the industry or the angle within the industry so a design person for example will be completely different probably than a finance person do you know that way because actually their interests and their professional interests um, will be different um, and a design person may want to highlight some of the product development that they've been doing and sharing accordingly, whereas a finance person may be you know, more interested in some of the economists' articles and so on. Do you know that way? So there's a lot of differences depending on the job profile and I guess the role that we're looking for. Yeah, and I think you know it's all very well getting all this content into your profile and whatever else because what it does, it will throw up keywords. People will be able to search you quicker. However... When you're, you know, when we are doing a search on LinkedIn for individuals for a particular role, we don't see that full profile straight away. So that, so I think, you know, taking one step back on that. So what, what we've done is we've got good content in there, which is keywords, which allows you to be found by recruiters. But actually, what's really important is that your main subject line is uh, a resemblance to exactly what you're doing, um, not just master of the universe or whatever, you know, I've seen these things before, homeworker, or looking for a new opportunity, that's fine, right, looking for a new opportunity, however, don't just put that in as a sub-subject, put in your, your, your past job title, your current job title, i.e. technical manager of Coca-Cola, you know, engineering manager of Pepsi, dash, looking for a new challenge, looking for a new opportunity, so actually that recruiter can look at it and go, all right, bang on, technical manager for Coca-Cola, I'm actually recruiting the technical manager for Pepsi, you, beauty. Let's contact this person because they're looking for a new role right now. And the other most important thing from that as well is, is a professional image. What you know, what, what necessarily, what I would say is it's a professional network, you know, it's not necessarily we want to see somebody, somebody with, um, you know, sitting and with football colours on or... You know, yeah. a, a, a drunken night out or whatever else, because it automatically gives a bad impression. And and you know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I I don't mind saying all this because literally, you know, it's the reality of the world. You know, if you seen that in Facebook, you wouldn't think two things about it because it's a it's a it's a personal network and all that sort of stuff. But actually, from a work side of things, you know, doesn't it's not too hard to get a really good image up there. You know, you, the phones these days are amazing. You know, get someone at work to take a picture. 
job done, put it up there. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's... I think that's, you know, that's, that's the point, isn't it? It's, it's, it's having a profile that is reflective of the individual and also of the industry and the job that they're doing. Do you know that way? So, for example, if you were Ronald McDonald, right, sitting in a suit, would that be a fair... Is that what you're looking for? Probably not. Do you know that way? Yeah. So it's trying to find the balance. So are we saying everyone should be sitting there suited and booted with, you know, with a, a lucky tie on? Probably not. And it's just trying to find something that, that's reflective that you think is the person reflective of the job and actually the person as an individual because everyone's different and that's where um that's why you know um, it's such a useful tool exactly and the last piece of advice from myself and scott is so you've got that fantastic profile you're now getting found by recruiters etc etc people are getting in contact with you great that's great but actually, what you you can actually do something, and you could be far more proactive. And the way to do that is actually build your network connections. The more network connections you have, the more people can see your posts that you're putting on LinkedIn. Therefore, the more visibility that you have a wider network. And if you're making regular posts, when I say regular posts, if you're doing it a couple of times a week, you know, and putting a post up there about what you're currently doing in your current role or achievements that I've done, you've just achieved BRCA. Star or whatever, you know, Tesco audit, or maybe the fact is you've just secured two million pounds of business, you know, from a big fabrication company, or you've just won a major contract with Rolls Royce or whatever that might be. Then actually, what you're doing is put your planting seeds in people's minds. But in order to do that, you need to build up your network. So, what I would say is if you do a quick search into Google and you put in manufacturing influencers 2018 or 2017, even. What you'll get is you'll get a list of people who are regarded as the most influential people in manufacturing and put in the UK as well. So in the UK in 2017, that way, if you go in and connect with these people on LinkedIn, I'm sure these people will have massive networks. Therefore, that actually opens up their network to become a second degree to you. And actually, the more you do that, you're actually getting a bigger scope where you can connect with more people, more people that are relevant within your sector. What we yeah. also look at is the certain type of businesses that you want to work for. And actually connect with the key individuals that could be possibly your hiring manager going forward or someone that owns that business. Therefore, you're putting yourself back in the short window. And then that all goes back nicely to where we were at the start. You've got to make sure you've got a good up-to-date profile that's detailed that's going to scream what you do. Yeah. Um, and where you want to go as a career. You want a professional, a major in there that shows you uh, as an individual. And also you want a good subject line where you're catching the eyes of whether it be the hiring manager or a recruiter or an internal recruiter or whatever that might be. And in order to do all that, you need to put yourself in front of the shop window. And that, that way is to connect with as many relevant people as possible and keep it relevant. Don't connect with everybody in MD, you know, keep it relevant to the sector that you're in. And that way you will have a social media presence that's maximised to develop your career and look for that next career opportunity. Yeah, and it may well help you actually from your existing role as well because you're you know you're, you're sharing. You've got you're you're connected with like-minded individuals, aren't you, within your industry? That was good, Scott. Um, Do you think? We'll wrap up that recruitment. Minute. Yeah, I think that recruitment minute there. I'm I'm I feel as if I've had a can of Red Bull after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go and find uh, I need to try that I need to do the, the Iron Brew Challenge definitely we should do that let's see if we can taste the difference between the old and the new I'm going to do it Give right, it well, uh, right, okay. we'll do that later let's oh, do that later I'll tell you. Aye, okay okay well we've got that meeting we'll try it before then um, so for everyone tuning in thank you very much we do appreciate it we do appreciate the support and I think we were number two manufacturing podcast on iTunes number two a couple of weeks back come on yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing considering uh, so, but you know what I think about second best come on oh, yeah, it'd be great if everyone can share and whatever else we'd love to get to first place and kind of set ourselves in the manufacturing realms of of iTunes history, um, <laughs> and it allows us to continue. To, it allows us to continue to promote manufacturing on a wider scale, and it's only beneficial for us all. So, any questions at all, um, please pop us an email at scott at bonfirerecruitment.com or terry at bonfirerecruitment.com. And the other, thanks for listening. And sorry, Terry, just for cutting over here, but one of the things we might want to highlight is our Twitter. You touched on your Twitter feed earlier, so you might want to see what it is. 
We're at Bonfire Recruit. So most of our social media platforms, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, etc., is at Bonfire Recruit. You can also follow us on our company page. Have you gone to, sorry, on LinkedIn? You can go into LinkedIn and search Bonfire Recruitment. Um, and that's where me and Scott continually post the latest news yeah. every day. I think we, you know, we try and do about five or six between us every day. So you'll be kept up to date with the latest news. Yeah, that was very good, Scott. I quite like that actually. No, it just um, yeah, it's just it's obviously we're, we're you know it's relevant because I think we are we we like certainly well we we are part of the the, the manufacturing community. Do you know that way? And I think it's it's exactly you know it's acting in the advice that we're giving out, and that we you know we're keen to be part of the network and certainly keen to share views and have opinions and so on as well. So yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get the word spread. Yeah, good. Okay. I think we'll wrap it up there. Guys, thanks very much for listening. As always, uh, please tune in next week for another latest news, another hot topic, and our recruitment advice. Over and out for, for today, Scott. See you later, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.